When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a fantasy football scout weekly podcast brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back at the game week we've just played to assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by Daniel. Daniel is known in the community as FPL Rabbi. Daniel, thanks so much for joining me today. How's the international break treating you? Actually, I have to say it's uh, it's pretty nice. Um, I've since starting, you know, doing weekly pods. So the international break every once in a while is not, it's not that bad. Yeah, I quite uh, like it in some ways because it gives you just that bit of thinking time, doesn't it? Where you can just kind of go, right, where am I going next? And you've kind of got a bit of time to think through what you're going to do. I have to admit, I didn't think at all this past week and didn't watch much football, maybe just a little bit. Didn't go uh, on Twitter for, you know, that much. Also, I'm after my wild card, so maybe that's part of the thing. But yeah, it gives me just like um, 10 days of not having to tinker that much about FPL for a change. And actually, do you know what? That's just as nice, isn't it? Because that means that you come back to it a bit more fresh, I think, and a bit less, exactly. particularly if you've had, like you just, you were just saying, you wild carded just before the international break, didn't you? So if you've kind of had a very hectic FPL week going into game week seven, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of downtime before we get into the madness that is game week eight and what that might look like on the back of, well, what's been a bit of a chaotic international break to say the least, because we have had quite a few injuries that have kind of come up over the last couple of days in particular. Obviously we've got Lukaku who's um, actually now left the Belgium training camp because he's got muscle fatigue. We've got Yotta who's been reported to be an injury doubt ahead of um, Portugal's last game. And obviously of course, therefore Liverpool's last game, Rudiger absent from Germany's final training session because he's got a back problem unknown if he's going to play in their next game or not. We've got Varane, who's picked up an injury in the Nations League final on Sunday evening, went off before half-time. Seems to be a problem with his thigh. Um, we've got Ian Nacho. He's also suffered an injury while he's been away with Nigeria. Luke Dean's come home early from duty with France. It's just one thing after another, isn't it? What do you do about that? Like As an, as an FPL manager, I know that I sit there and when the injuries come through, I'm like, oh, how bad is this going to get me? Does that, is that kind of how you see it? Honestly, I don't put much emphasis on the international break injuries because sometimes, you know, I get the feeling that they're magically disappear when the gimmick <laughs> actually, you know, draws close, closer. So let's say Lukaku's. Mm. It sounds like he didn't want to play that, that you know, that game that, uh, for the third, third place. Um, Varane did look a little bit, uh, didn't look as as uh, good. I mean, he probably missed a game. Um, we talked about uh, Rudiger. He didn't start today, mm. uh, Germany's match. So you never know. Hopefully we'll get more information when the pressers come out. Um, because I'm after my wild card, so I have a Not bench. Not like you can do. <laughs> no, I already know that I have a bench. Um, let's say the... 
also you get all the guys from South America. Yes. We already, I already knew that they're not playing. I, I have Rafinha. I know he's not going to play. I already knew that. So I have a playing bench. Um, not much that you can do about it. Uh, I do feel bad for those who are on their wild card because then you have to think, what am I going to do? I'm going to, mm. you know, carry them on my bench for a week or um, I have to, you know, rethink. I don't know how long they're going to be out. And there's mm-hmm. players like Rudiger, Lukaku, they're very popular right now. Yeah, and I think, you know, Lukaku has got history of this, hasn't he? We saw this in the last international break that he came back a little bit earlier, was a bit of a doubt, and then, of course, was absolutely fine and, and did play for Chelsea straight afterwards. Rudiger, a bit more of an issue, and with a back problem, yeah, that is slightly more problematic, and I would worry a little bit about that. But having said that, Chelsea, you know, whilst they do have players that can replace him, he is so important to them. So if he is fit and available, he he will play. So I guess it's it's about making as many educated risks as you can. Varane, it probably isn't going to be that popular anyway amongst wildcarding players, I wouldn't have thought. Same with players like Iheanacho and Luca Dean. So really, yeah. it's probably the Lukaku, Jota, Rudiger conversation. From a lot of managers, maybe you're looking at those Liverpool fixtures thinking, well, really, it's only the Watford game that I'd maybe want to be trebled on Liverpool for anyway. So maybe going without Jota isn't that bad at that point. And Lukaku, I think you would take a chance on with the the Chelsea fixtures the way they are, particularly given it's muscle fatigue. It's not really an injury. He's just got tired muscles, which in a few days of recovery could help. Tired muscles or just, you know, if it was the final that he was, that he wasn't playing, I'd be more concerned. Mm. But this, you know, this match, okay, sometimes players have the tendency, okay, let's come back early. It's not the most important. They're, they're even saying it. It's not the most important match in the world. No, absolutely. Um, and I think Jota, what happens is a lot of uh, managers are already concerned because Firmino mm-hmm. didn't travel. So he yes. would play against Watford. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not gone away with... So he's one of these uh, South American players that's not going to be affected by yeah. the travel stuff. So obviously we've got players like Rafina, who you've mentioned, Alisson, uh, Jesus, Fabino, Thiago Silva, who have all kind of travelled away with their international teams. We haven't yet had set in stone confirmation that they can't play, but the reality is they are very unlikely to play. Uh, So you have to kind of budget for that. But as you say, with uh, Roberto Firmino not travelling with Brazil this time, that would put him, you would think, in the prime driving spot to start against Watford. It's a game that you don't think that Klopp would need to necessarily risk Jota for. He could easily play him play Firmino instead yes that's true and also I don't think he he trained I mean the first mm. match Portugal had was a was a friendly so that's a bit different but now they do have a qualifier and he didn't train and he's not supposed to play yeah so it's a bit more concerning and he has a, a history there mm. of uh, those muscle injuries as as a Liverpool supporter I'm, I'm a bit concerned also mm. it's difficult though isn't it I think with Liverpool because I mean, I wildcarded a couple of game weeks before you did and and wanted the three Liverpool players. So I do have Diego as part of that trio. Um, Well, actually, I've only got two of them at the moment because I'm doing the Trent hokey-cokey as we speak. As long as he's confirmed to be back, then he'll be back in again this week. But I'm looking at him thinking, actually, you could easily be somebody else. There's plenty of other nice options in that kind of, actually in the cheaper bracket, in the sort of 
well, five and a half-ish to six bracket that look really nice right now. And the fixtures are good. I'm thinking about players like Brian and Buemo, um at Brentford, for example. Nice fixtures after this game against Chelsea that they have for a long period of time. So there is there is a lot of value in the cheaper players right now. And bringing Jota down could be a really good idea, particularly given that we don't know how many minutes he's going to get now that Firmino is is back and, and is fit and available again. I actually got rid of my wildcard. Yeah, you see, I think if I was wildcarding last week or this week, I would have done the same. I think at the time that I did it, it made sense to have all three of them um, in there. Yeah. But with the fixtures changing and with Firmino back from injury and obviously with the doubts that we've had over, over Diego Jota, over international break in terms of his fitness... It makes a lot of sense to to not have him if you've if you've wild carded now or or have just done so in game week seven. Let's have a look back on game week seven then, because it was quite a long time ago. But which players stood out for you in terms of looking to invest in? Obviously, you've only just wild carded, so I imagine you're looking yeah. to roll your transfer this week. But if you were going to invest in somebody ahead of the next the next game week in the or the next few game weeks, who stood out for you in game week seven? So actually, I'm not rolling my transfer. Um, yeah, I was supposed to wildcard game week eight. And I had a lot of problems in my team. I had some injuries. I had players like Traore who actually lost their place. Mm. Um, so I had to wildcard to a very underwhelming game week. The thing is, I wanted Foden for yeah. game week eight. Always wanted him for that. For, you know, the annual 5 nil thrashing of uh, Burnley. And... I waited on it because I moved in quick on my wildcard. I mm-hmm. got a lot of uh, value. I got Sar, and I thought, okay, I'm going to keep him for that, that one match against Leeds. Maybe get some more value. Maybe get some points. I mean, Foden against Liverpool, it's not, you know, no, exactly. this match. So I said, I'm going to get Sar. I'm going to leave money in the bank, and then I'm going to move for Foden. So he's the first one I'm going to. Mm. And as it turns out, of course, he also scored more. Yeah, um, it was really impressive, actually, in that game against Liverpool. I, th- I thought that was a, a brilliant game of football to watch. Um, obviously, my household isn't very neutral either. Yeah. You're a Liverpool fan. Lee's obviously a Liverpool fan as well. But I thought it was a fantastic game of football. And I, I, Foden really impressed me. I, I always feel that with Foden, every time I watch him, he looks impressive. He's such a talented player and and game week seven was no exception even with the level of opposition that he was playing against still really impressive and you can see him having a really good game in the games that Manchester City have coming up the one concern I have is that whenever Foden plays well Pep seems to rotate him out of the team and it fills me with absolute dread because he's a player that I think I would really like to invest in too, but the the fear of rotation with Pep. But it it seems that this season, you know, they have only one striker in Jesus, mm. and that's it. They're playing him on the wing. A lot of people thought that Ferran Torres is going to take that spot, and he's not. You know, the minute that KDB and Foden were healthy, they got mm. right back in the team. So I do think he's going to play much more. Actually, I didn't go for him on on you know on my wild card in game week seven. Only because I thought that Trent isn't playing, maybe Liverpool would be a little bit more defensive. And I had a thought going with him already in the wild card and, you know, saving a transfer. Um, 
I didn't. I probably, you know, probably would do it again because if it would work out the other way when he would blank or didn't play or whatever and Sar would go crazy, I probably wouldn't forgive myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to move uh, in on him instead of Sar. Um, I think their, yeah, the run is, is really turning. Uh, yeah, I think on the ticker, they're like... Probably. Yeah, and, and Foden has, I mean, he's only started the last two. Obviously, he came back from injury um, in game week five, started game week six mm-hmm. and game week seven. Across those two games, he's been the top Man City midfielder for both XG and XGI, with Burnley, Brighton and Palace to come next. He's also sixth for midfielders for XA across the last two game weeks. You can't kind of... That oh, absolutely. And, and you know, you look at the underlying stats and when you consider the teams that he's played against, one of them being Liverpool in Liverpool, those two starts away. he's had, they aren't easy games. And so to see him sat there as the top Man City midfielder for XG and XGI across those two game weeks, that speaks volumes at a time when, as you've already said, you know, Manchester City don't have a, a striker to choose from. You know, they, they well, they have Jesus who's said he wants to play out on the wing, but there isn't somebody else that easily fills that spot that Kane would have had, for example, had he gone there in the summer. So when you're looking for creativity, you've got a lot of that at Manchester City with the likes of of Grealish and and KDB now that he's coming back from injury. But what you have with Foden is somebody that has real goal threat, um, is up there for, you know, goals, expected goals, expected goal involvement. Yeah, I agree with you on Foden. Is there anyone else that stood out for you in game week seven? Well, I think Rafinha looked great mm. and Leeds were so... I don't think they were unlucky. They were just wasteful. Yeah. And if Bamford is coming back for the next game week, even though Rafinha isn't playing game week eight, but going forward, Leeds fixtures look great. He looks he looks at the moment on fire. Um, he's always like short of a hole. It's always like... <laughs> Yeah, you know he hits the post. They're missing a lot. He assisted, but they, you know, uh, to Rodrigo, he, they could have finished with a goal. He could have finished. With, he could finish that match with a lot more. Um, he looks great. If I was on my wild card, I would get him in and not even you know uh, having to think too much about missing one game. Just have a playing bench. Mm. Um, I think that also Arsenal have you know three of their next four at home. Um, their defense looks much more stable. They have some budget options in Ramsdale, Ben White. I have Ramsdale and Smithrow. Okay. And I think I think there's a lot of uh, value in uh, those two. Um, even I mean, though Smith Smithrow is a bit cheaper, and so people you know thought maybe Saka has more. He's more nailed, but he played the ninety. He looked good. Um, also, when they played only uh, three on top with uh, at midfield, when with uh, Aubameyang uh, playing as a striker, he, he played all those matches with Pepe sitting on the bench. I think it's a good, it's a good option. I must admit, they are as pain, it pains me to say it as a Spurs fan, but the Arsenal options are looking really good at the moment. Obviously, they had a horrendous start to the season. And, you know, in part, you can put that down now looking back on it to COVID and COVID, yeah, the yeah, impact COVID. that that had on, on their squad going into game week one. And then not just not just on the squad, but also on morale, because obviously when you lose big players like Aubameyang and Lacazette ahead of game week one, that throws out everything that you presume that Arteta has been working on over the course of the summer with them in terms of game plans and strategies. 
it puts them in a difficult position against a team like Brentford who came up with a point to prove and of course would have been absolutely boosted by the news that they're these two key strikers for Arsenal weren't going to play in that game. And then obviously it got worse because they had increasing testing positives and then they lost key assets. And yeah, things were a bit of a disaster, but they have turned it around and and things are looking increasingly good at Arsenal. And what I like about the Arsenal picks from an FPL perspective is it's not the expensive ones that we want to be investing in. Like it's all of the nice Mm -hmm. value picks. So like you've mentioned Saka and and Smith-Rowe. Both of them, I think, are nice options. Obviously, you've got to pay a bit more for Saka, but fundamentally, he's still one of the best budget midfielders in, in the game. So he's not going to cost you a lot of money. You don't have to find the money for Aubameyang. You don't have to find the money for Pepe or, or Lacazette. And that's what really is, is really nice about going with Arsenal. And as you say, fixtures are nice. Crystal Palace, that's going to be interesting because that's the Vieira factor yeah. that's going to come into that one. After that, Villa... Leicester Watford then it's Liverpool of course in in game week 12 but those first particularly those four fixtures they look nice so I don't think there's anything wrong with investing in Arsenal even doubling up on Arsenal because of the value that they have if you want to go Smith-Rowe and Ramsdale or Smith-Rowe and and Ben White or Tierney if you've got a little bit more budget and you've got some attacking threat with him then too yeah feels like good options also it's not the worst to bench them for I got Smith-Rowe for 5-3 He's my fifth midfielder and I'm actually playing foreign defence. Yeah. So I don't really mind even benching him in some of the, the matches. And that's what's, what's another really good thing, isn't it? Is that this season, I think, there's starting to be some obvious three striker picks up top. So you, you're going to have Lukaku or Ronaldo. And then alongside, you're probably going to have the likes of Antonio, Tony, Jimenez, players like that, which means that you're going to want to play all three of your forwards most week. So having a lot of budget options, you know, the likes of Smith Rowe in midfield, also the likes of Timo Liveramento at the back, it means you can flip-flop between three at the back and four in midfield and four at the back and three in midfield. And it gives you that flexibility across your team, which is something that we don't always have as FPL managers, but I do like and I think it, it gives you a real there's a real benefit because when you look at those fixtures against Crystal Palace, particularly against Crystal Palace in game week eight, Vieira's going to be up for that, isn't he? You know, you could could you see Arsenal conceding in that one? Probably. Yes, but uh, I could also see goals. Absolutely. I could see both sides scoring in that one. So maybe you don't want to play Ben White, but maybe you do want to play Smith Rowe. So you can flip around between between them and, and it gives you a lot of a lot of opportunity, I think, because we have have so many value picks as well as then, of course, these expensive premiums. On the reverse then of that conversation, is there anyone that really disappointed you in game week eight? Anybody that you thought was going to have a far better game and maybe now is kind of on the FPL chopping block, so to speak? Maybe not on the chopping block, but I think almost everyone had a very, very bad game week. And that's something that happens when I wildcard. I think it's my fault. <laughs> Did you no, jinx I, it? I looked back on previous seasons and all the FPL disasters... They happen on game weeks that I wildcard. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding. Those is things that are they're bigger than just everyone remembers them. In yeah. 1819, Kane's infamous one-pointer, uh, I think at home to Cardiff, when a lot of people wildcarded to get him and captain him that that week. Um, that was you, that was same, it? Yep, that same season. Brighton's uh, double game week. When a lot of people went with, uh, I, I'm very happy I didn't go with the triple up on defense. I didn't go with a lot of people, triple captain Duffy or whatever. I wild colored that game week. Uh, 1920, uh, 
Jamie Vardy missing a penalty against uh, Burnley with Pope, who I bent that same game week and then went on a crazy run um, last season. Liverpool uh, hosting Sheffield United at home. I had triple up with Robo Trent and and Salah as my captain. I got from all three of them together six points, including the captaincy. Uh, and now you know this game week. So actually, it was probably my fault. I, I was expecting a lot of more points from probably everyone from uh, you know the Chelsea the Chelsea boys. The entire, my only return was Ramsdale. And Salah, which actually didn't really help me. Um, yeah, it was it was a really horrible game week, wasn't it? From 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 an FPL perspective, uh, I was very similar to you. My only returns really that made any difference was Jimenez, who with his couple of assists made such a difference to my overall rank. Because of course, everybody was kind of in this quagmire of of two yeah. points, two points, one point, nothingness. So to have a player like Jimenez, who's still a big differential in the game, return two assists, I was like, oh, hallelujah, that is going to boost my rank. And But yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, obviously had the captain's armband on Lukaku, expecting yep. bigger returns right. from him. I mean, would have been better off to just leave it on Salah. But no, I put it on Lukaku. And 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 actually, has I don't know about you, but for me, it's put me off Captain in Lukaku. Even if this muscle fatigue business disappears overnight, it's still put me off captaining him. I think... Oh, de- I'm definitely not captaining him this game week. Salah uh, away to uh, Watford just... It looks too good. He's... he's uh, the form is in. It's... I don't think there's any debate who the captaincy should go with. Mm. this game week well let's talk about Um, that in a little bit more detail later because of course that is the lunchtime kickoff and I do have a thing about not captaining the lunchtime kickoff player so we'll come back to that but I I mean I agree with you I think Chelsea were were disappointing across that game week I think there were some FPL managers that were starting to the rhetoric about Kane was starting to come back around after the conference Mm -hmm. performance for Spurs he was again disappointing in, in game week seven more shots they're coming. It's but, coming. It's but coming. Still disappointing, I think, from a, from an FPL perspective. A lot of the defenders, obviously, you know, I don't think we and were. Also, yeah, absolutely. Lo- Ch- Chelsea defense was like was just a nightmare, wasn't it? So we had obviously Chilwell starting over Alonso. So if you had Alonso, you were disappointed. There were a lot of people, myself included, who had a, a long debate with themselves all week about do I go Aspilicueta, do I go Rudiger? And of course, for me, I went Rudiger. So that was a big disappointment given what Aspilicueta did in that game. And of course, now with, with Rudiger flat, well, not, yeah, we you know, know. We're potentially out with his, with his back. Who knows what's going to happen there? If only I'd have gone Aspilicueta, I wouldn't have had that as an issue. So yeah, a lot of my disappointment actually stemmed around Chelsea because I think I was just expecting them to be better than they were. And going into this nice run of fixtures that they have now, it does put a little bit of a doubt in my mind because suddenly I'm like, you know, they've got this lovely fixture swing that's that happened really. It started in game week seven and it continues now for a long period of time. And most managers looking to double up on Chelsea. Some managers looking to triple up on Chelsea a lot of managers like me were kind of thinking, well, let's go Rudiger for safety. Let's go Lukaku because honestly, why wouldn't you with the fixtures that he has coming up? Mm-hmm. If they get over their injuries and there's no guarantees that they're going to, is 
the treble up with Chelsea still on, given what we've seen in the last couple of game weeks? Or is the double up enough, in your opinion? I think that for me, I mean, we have to remember, at the end of the day, they conceded from a very sloppy penalty. Mm. Actually, Chilwell was the perfect troll that game. Also, first of all, he started over Alonso. Then he caused the penalty that actually ruined the clean sheet for anyone who had a double up. Yeah. Double... And then he scored. I know a lot of people are, you know, think that that's it, that he right now is going to get starts. I'm not that sure. I still think that's Alonso's spot. Um, so the triple up for me, still very much an option. They have a very good goalkeeper. That's the reason they're actually overperforming XGC. So I do think that's still valid, but yeah, but only in defense because they're unfortunately their mids aren't really giving any reason to consider them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the likes of Mason Mount, I think I had him a few game weeks ago, only for him to then not play in the game that I bought him in for, which Mm -hmm. was incredibly frustrating. So I sold him on my wildcard. With the kind of thought in the back of my head that if over these last few game weeks that we've just seen, Chelsea were all the things that we were expecting them to be. They were solid defensively. They were attacking at every opportunity. They were creating great opportunities that I'd bring Mason Mount back as part of this prep for this lovely run of fixtures. And I'd have one at the back, one in the middle and one up top. But actually, the more I look at it, the more I think I'm just not seeing the value in him yet. I know Tuchel's been talking this week about the relationship between Mount and Lukaku and how good it is and how they understand each other. And maybe actually if that comes about, that might be something we can do. But for right now, I think it's enough to just have the two of them. Now, I guess for me, my kind of quandary is if Rudiger doesn't make it for this game week, would we still want to invest in the Chelsea defence? Do we think they'll be as good without him there? I think they have a lot of options, even without him. You know, we're seeing Thiago Silva isn't playing all matches, probably mm. because of his age. He's playing the like the more important matches. But even without Woodrager, they can still start with Thiago Silva and Aspilicueta and one of Christensen or Chaloba. I think it's still a very good defense. They have uh, Mendy, you know, be, between the sticks. Um, I still think, you know, they're good for clean sheets. And also if you're taking the, you know, the right back, wing back or left backs, they're good also for their attacking returns. I think that Reese James is uh, about to come back. He was one that a lot of people looked at Yeah. before his injury. But I just think that with the Chelsea defence, what was so good about them for a while is, is the consistency that we were seeing with the regular stars. They knew each other kind of so well. It's what was missing from Liverpool last season, wasn't it? When we had all, yes. all these players injured, that you never really got regularity of, of starts across that defence. And it meant there was always issues. This season, of course, with the Liverpool defence, they're back. There's been less issues because they all play, they know where each other are. And I think that's the same with the Chelsea defence. Like Aspilicueta is, because of who he is, because he's the captain, he's going to be great wherever he is. But the more consistency that they can have, the better. I think if we start to see Chilwell and Alonso rotating around each other, which in many ways I can see happening. Like I could see Tuchel giving, Chilwell's been... Now, whilst he had a bit of a dodgy first half, he was better in the second half, particularly in terms of his attacking threat anyway. Um, I, could I see him rotating them around each other? Could I see a couple of games for one and then the other one getting a game? And then 
I think I probably could. Less on the Reese James side. I think he's more nailed on that side when he's fit and available. But then, of course, there is the where does Aspilicueta fit because you're not just going to drop him. So it all feels a little bit difficult. And so I think if you do want to double up on the Chelsea defence, I'd be looking to go with a safe pair like Rudiger if a fit and available and then have maybe one that's a bit more risky alongside him the likes of maybe Reese James or Alonso who may not always start but if they don't at least you've got one who is starting because in theory your bench should be good enough to cover it particularly with like Livramento whose fixtures are amazing over the next few weeks as well exactly also we talked about uh, Smith Rowe or also you have budget options in Wolves in attack um, yeah. so I think that is easier right now to get a playing bench So even if one of them misses a match, it's not the end of the world. You got Livermento, like yeah. you said. It, I think some people should actually consider starting in these matches, these upcoming matches. He looked really attacking. Um, he looks and, like he's going to yeah. get clean sheets as well with the fixtures of the way they are for Southampton. Southampton have got yeah. a really nice fixture run where you could see clean sheets. And there's been a few games lately where I've watched Livermento and thought, how have you not scored Because you've been so attacking. I mean, obviously, we've seen the assists coming already. But he's a player that, at, I think, what, 4.3 now, could easily get some hauls over the next few weeks and, and yeah. looks absolutely ideal. So if you are wildcarding, or even if you're not, to be honest, if you're just looking to make some defensive changes, free up some money to invest elsewhere, and you haven't got Livramento, why not? I think the biggest decision right now is if to start him or not, because yeah. that haul is coming. And it's going to be on the, on the bench of a lot of managers. Yeah, I agree with you on that one for sure. All right, let's talk about the rest of game week eight then. Which other teams, aside from Chelsea and players, do you think are the best investments for this week? For this week, of course, you have City. They're playing uh, Burnley at home. You just have you know, to pick and choose. Um, and how would you go with City? About- would you go Foden, but would you double up with the defenders as well? I'm actually at the moment doubled up on with uh, Cancelo and Laporte, with uh, and I'm going to bring in Foden. Um, I am a bit I, I'm a bit concerned because Ederson is not going to play, mm. so I am a bit concerned. I'm, I'm you know I'm afraid that five nil would turn into a five one, and uh, that's a whole different story. But yeah, also in City we see we're kind of seeing the same thing at the moment. The value is in defense. Yeah, but I think it's coming. You know, KDB is back, and Foden, and also Grealish is, is going to get his returns. You just have to pick the one as he gets the return in that you know that match. Yeah, and I guess with with the defenders, for me anyway, right now the Manchester City defensive double up looks a lot more attractive than the Chelsea one because the fixtures are just as nice for Man City. Maybe not for as long, but they are still nice fixtures. And with that Manchester City defence, not only are they rock solid, so they're just not conceding chances, let alone goals, no. whereas Chelsea do concede chances. And actually their expected goals conceded stats are remarkably different. So Chelsea are actually lucky that they've not conceded more goals than they have so far, whereas City, it's just ridiculous how few opportunities they're giving away. Yeah, I mean, before, I think that before the Liverpool match, they had conceded like five shots on target yeah. the whole season. Um, so I think it, going, it is going a bit under the radar. I think people are still a, bit, a little bit afraid on Laporte. I think it's his spot to lose. I think it's exactly what happened last year. 
um, with stones that yeah. we were all just waiting for him to be dropped. And he wasn't dropped because no. he didn't, it didn't deserve to be dropped. And I think it's the same thing about Laporta. I really think he's the best uh, left, uh, left footed uh, center back in the league right now or at all, even before this season. And I don't think he's going to be dropped anytime soon. No, and, and, and Pep is being a lot more loyal to his defenders this season than he maybe mm-hmm. has been in the past. In the past, we've seen him chop and change around. But even then, you know, the, the, the Cancelo's a rotation risk. He was never that much of a rotation risk last season. He missed a couple, but he never missed like loads of games. Whereas this season, he's not missing any. Laporte's just there constantly all the time. Diaz, it's, again, it goes back to what we were saying about Liverpool and, and Chelsea before, right? Consistency of defence we get consistency of really solid, good defending because they all know exactly where each other is and they all trust each other and each other's judgment. So I don't think it matters whether you go Diaz, whether you go Cancelo, whether you go Laporte, whether you go for all three of them, whether you go for two of them, they're all going to bring you good returns and they all offer great opportunity for a clean sheet as well as attacking threat because Diaz doesn't just not have attacking threat. He, he can get assists. We have seen that in the past. So yes, he's not going to get as many potentially as the others might, but his price point, I really like Diaz as well. So I think you're right to, to flag Manchester City and, and, and going for the treble up does make a lot of sense. Diaz actually created more chances than Cancelo, which yeah. sounds weird, but he did. And Laporte, I think, has most shots on goal from the entire City team. Maybe mm. that's before the Liverpool match. But yeah, I mean, he scored one. And you can see him scoring at least two to three more before the season ends. So I think he's a very good he's a very good shot, like 5.5. Mm. Aside from Manchester City then, who else would you be looking to invest in for, for Game Week 8? Uh, I can tell you who I'm invested at the moment for game week eight. I would probably start uh, Armstrong from Southampton. Uh, Southampton. Yeah, I took him on my wild card. I knew that I'll probably need my bench after the international break. So also with uh, Ward Prowse getting sent off, he I'm hoping will be on penalties. Hmm. They have to get one first. I mean, <laughs> I think they scored like only four goals this, this season. But he could come in. Um, I mean, of course, the Liverpool boys. Um, we talked about Arsenal. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to see who's playing first. That's. I mean, that's we look the at thing. we look at Southampton's fixtures, and we we kind of mentioned this already with with Liverpool But when you look at them in detail, obviously Leeds in game week eight, a Rafinha-less Leeds likely in mm-hmm. game week eight. We don't and know they, if Bamford is playing or not. We don't know about Bamford, and obviously Ailing's not available. We don't think so. There's a there's a lot of big casualties in that exactly. Leeds United team right now. So they're going to be playing a team that isn't fully what they would want to be playing. They've been really off colour over, particularly defensively over the start of this season. That could easily, there could easily be goals in that game for Southampton. Then Burnley, Watford, Aston Villa, Norwich. I mean, they're top of the fixture ticket for the next five game weeks. They've got the nicest run. Um, even Chelsea sit below them because of that Chelsea Le- uh, Leicester game in game week 12. There's not a lot to dislike about Southampton right now. They started the season very badly. I think we were all kind of thinking, gosh, without Danny Ings, are they a bit doomed? But yeah. Livramento has stood up massively and is attacking at will, but also really good at defending as well. And Armstrong has really made that position his own and, and is maybe what they needed because he's not Danny Ings. 
but he's doing a really good job and you can see him scoring. Like I look at those fixtures and think, can I see him scoring against Leeds, Burnley and Watford? Absolutely, I could. I could definitely see him getting a few goals in, you know, the few next matches. Also, um, Jay Adams is out. So mm. there's not a lot of risk that, I don't know, he would be suddenly dropped. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to start him in of, um, against Leeds. Again, yeah. week eight. I'm, I'm definitely starting him. Uh, then I'll see. I have to see if he, you know, if he returns. But I think there's good potential there. Seems like there might be a lot of benched points for you over the next few weeks because your team has got a lot of players on the bench that kind of feel like players that you're probably going to be wanting to play with the fixtures at the way that they are. Honestly, I thought about that, but because I picked Laporte, Cancelo and Alonso. Gives you so some thought, rotation risk, doesn't it? Every yeah, every game week, I could see at least one of them yeah. maybe you know getting the odd benching. So I do need a bench. And I already looked at game week eight that's coming. I knew that Rafinha is not going to play. Um, I didn't. I, I thought maybe there are going to be a few um, injuries during the mm. yeah the, the international break. So and you know like it, the looks of it, it's happening. <laughs> so let's hope I get a, a playing eleven before we start thinking about bench points. <laughs> all right then, let's go back to that all important captain's armband question then because. You've already talked about Salah and and for me this week, if I kind of rewind to the beginning of the season, in my head, there was sort of blocks of time where I was going to captain players and Salah for me was going to be one of my kind of perma captains for most of the season. Whereas, and obviously in pre-season, the other one was Bruno and I was kind of looking at those two thinking, over the course of the season, they will probably be the players that I look to captain. And I also had Sun in game week, ahead of game week one. And, and game week eight was going to be the week that I captained Sun. Game against Newcastle, that felt like a nice... And, and, but obviously a lot's changed since pre-season. And, and we've seen the arrival of Lukaku and Ronaldo and suddenly Bruno's not in anybody's well he's not in very many FPL teams anymore in comparison to where he was at the start of the season he's still highly owned but not in comparison to where he was in game week one same with Sun obviously we don't have the same Spurs as we did last season in terms of that attacking threat that they had between Kane and Sun so I was kind of going into this week a couple of weeks ago when I wildcarded so game week six thinking right game or game week five thinking game week's Seven, eight, nine, ten. Like there's most of those. It's just going to be on Lukaku. And I'm just going to leave it there because if I start moving it around between Lukaku and Salah, I am guaranteed to miss some hauls. I'll put it on the wrong one, on the wrong week. It will be a disaster. I'll feel really annoyed. And so if I just leave it there, that'll work better. But obviously the injury to, or maybe injury maybe. to Lukaku puts a little bit of a dent in the in that. But also the last three fixtures have massively kind of worried me, I guess, because he's had nice fixtures and he's blanked in all three of them. But it's not because he hasn't had opportunities and chances. He absolutely has. He just hasn't taken them or they've hit the post or he's been ruled out for VAR, you know, for offside. And I don't know. So I am now looking around thinking, well, who else could I captain? And Salah's the obvious one. Actually, Salah's biggest FPL points haul ever came against yeah. Watford 29 yeah 29 points I think it was um ridiculous ridiculous total for one game week four goals and an assist 
But for me, the problem with Salah is this 12.30 kickoff. Like I have always had a rule that I don't captain anyone in the lunchtime kickoff because if they blank, which quite often happens because that 12.30 kickoff is just so unpredictable most of the time. I spend the rest of the game week feeling just like, nah. But I think that this game week would be different because he would be so massively captained. So if you if he will if he'll blank, so you'd be in the same boat with everyone else, probably. I don't think that Ranieri can do a lot. Also, mm. he had, you know, the international break. He's probably missing a couple of players himself. I can't see past captaining Salah. Maybe if you have Son or Kane, which I don't think a lot of people, at least not Kane. Yeah. But also I think I think maybe Newcastle would come a little bit fired up um, with everything that's happening. It's difficult, isn't it? I think so. I'm just looking on the Fantasy Football Scout website at the best captaincy poll. Now, obviously, we're early on into this poll because we're at the beginning of the week. But Salah's currently obviously winning, as you would expect, 68% of, of votes going to Salah. Lukaku with 7% of the vote is the next most captained player, which is a remarkable difference. So when you when you kind of compare those stats, you can see why it's not going to ruin your game week if you captain Salah. But also you could see how there is potential for a huge game from a differential captain this week, because like De Bruyne against that against Burnley, 3% saying they'd captain him, Ronaldo 2%, Son 1.5% against a Newcastle team that you could see him doing well. Foden, we talked about on here, 1.1% talking Actually, about Actually, KDB isn't the worst shout. No. Any any City player isn't the worst shout. You know, you know, we were thinking what happened. Oh, we always think what happened if we were like on a free hit. Mm. If someone was on a free hit, he should have taken Mahrez. You know, I, I, I wonder whether... If, you have, if you've had a terrible start to the season and if you are looking okay. for a kind of a differential captain... If you are looking for somebody that is just going to give you a boost because you don't trust the 12.30 kickoff or, or for whatever reason, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to captain Salah. There are some other good options out there. And this is the one thing that I kind of think is swaying me because for weeks now I've been captaining Lukaku this week and now I'm right on the edge with that one. But then there are other players around that I think if they could just be a nice, a nice differential captain. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I do think that, you know, while that Liverpool game is on, you're going to be hiding behind a pretty big sofa through fear. No, you have to, you have to miss that match. If, if you're not captain, <laughs> then you have to miss that match. Oh, but right. yeah, I think, I, I think you're right. Also, you have, I think that if Lukaku is out, let's say mm. Tuchel comes out and saying, yeah, you know, he's going to miss two weeks or three weeks. A lot of people on their wildcards would have to rethink what they're doing. Maybe they yeah. would go to Vardy. Now, Vardy is meeting United that is missing Fred because of the internationals. They're yeah. missing Maguire and probably Varane. Yeah. Also, not the worst shout. Uh, whoever would go with City player. Uh, you know, we, we spoke about Kane or Son. Um, there are options, but I do think that in the end of the day, you're going to see Salah with, I don't know, like 170 EO. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, if only he was playing at three o'clock on Saturday or 5.30 on Saturday, I think for me that would have made the decision. Well, I don't think it would have even been a decision. If Let's say if you captain him, then you already know it's not going to make a huge difference. You have your your other players, your 
that in your team that would have to carry you through. Mm. The thing is that if you're going against it, you're betting on two things. First of all, that your captain actually delivers. And secondly, that Salah blanks. And I don't know if you want to be, you know, taking that bet when Liverpool are uh, meeting Watford. You're probably right. Although the last time that that Liverpool met Watford, it didn't end no. that well. Last time, and you know, I'm taking out Sar this week probably um, <laughs> as well. Last time it happened, I took out Sar for a minute, minus four. He scored 19 points against yeah. Liverpool. Oh, it's going to be an interesting game week, I think, game week eight, with all of the international players coming back or not coming back. We'll let yet see how that might pan out with yeah. all the injuries or potential injuries that we have. And of course, with the usual rotating roulettes that will certainly be at play when you look at Manchester City, when you look at Chelsea and, and some other teams. And of course, as you alluded to before, the impact of new managers at Watford and new owners at Newcastle could make for a very, very interesting game week eight. Indeed. That's it then for this week's Scout the Game Week. I'll be back next week where we'll look back on game week eight, see whether Salah could break that 12.30 captaincy curse and we'll be looking ahead to game week nine. Green arrows, everyone.